It's always soccer on a Monday. Uh, the Monday after the Philadelphia Union win their season opener for the first time since uh, I think 2011. I can't even remember. I should have done my homework. But guess what? Here we are. Philadelphia Union 1-0. Kevin Kincaid joining me at Baxter is somewhere walking around. And on the phone, I got Mr. Joe Tanzi with me uh, making his always soccer in Philadelphia debut. Joe, what's going on, man? Hey, Kev. How you doing? Finally, uh, long overdue to you. No, long overdue. I know. I'm sorry I didn't get you on earlier. And uh, But, you know, better late than never, as we say. Joe from uh, Pro Soccer USA, uh, the Union Soccer Pod, along with Sean Brace, SBI Soccer as well. Uh, I feel like I'm missing something. I missed something, right? No, I think that's me. It's everything soccer-wise. <laughs> so, uh, all right, now that we got that well-established, uh, Philadelphia Union 2, New England Revolution 0. Your immediate thoughts 48 hours after the game? Yeah, I mean, that's uh, if we've learned anything about the union in years past that when teams come into town, Energy Stadium, and they don't play well, or they half ass it, or it's the middle of the summer and they don't bring a full strength squad with them, or they don't take the game seriously, uh, the union are kind of going to run you out of the park. You know, they didn't exactly do that to New England. You know, they missed a couple sitters. CJ could have had probably 10 goals on the on the evening or whatever. But in the in the season opener, when it's kind of sloppy right that, and you're kind of rusty and you don't really know what to expect, uh, there are worse things to uh, to do than get an early red card, you know, 24 minutes into the game. Now, I, I hate, you know, like I was saying on Twitter and like I've said before, I hate the denial of a goal-scoring opportunity because it just kind of ruins the game. You know, you're playing 11 versus 10 for the for – from 24 minutes to 90 minutes. Um, but, you know, I think that opened the game up. And, and if you're telling me that Anthony Fontana is making his debut and Austin Trussie is making his debut, there are worse ways for them to learn the game than to play up a man, right? Yeah, and I think before the, the red card, I think Trusty, you know, showed himself pretty well with, you know, a couple of recoveries. But you also don't want him to be in that position on the counter because the refs were having, you know, a decent amount of success trying to, to break uh, which was clearly their strategy. I don't think they came in with, with much else. Uh, but yeah, I trust the tackles. It was reliable enough uh, that you weren't completely scared of this performance. Uh, Fontana, I think if you judge the overall time he spent on the field, uh, solid. I'm not going to go you know go through a glowing review of it, but he was in the right place at the right time when he scored. Zoya uh, said posting that he you know he liked the movement. Uh, I think it was you who mentioned on Twitter. He's also kind of in a in a tough place because once Dutch Powell comes in, he's not gonna you know he's gonna be relegated to the bench and he's gonna be fighting you know this crap for a minute. Yeah, you know, and when I was saying that, I wasn't trying to be an asshole about it, as I think I explicitly stated in the tweet. It was just that look, I mean, the reality of the situation is that if they they did go out and sign a number ten, you know, and he wasn't ready, you know, and El Senio was injured as well, so. You know, it makes me wonder if Fontana would have started uh, if those guys had been ready. And the answer is probably no. So I just wanted people to pump the brakes on the union 
youth movement thing a little bit. I mean, it's great to see Austin Trusty out there. He should be a starter for the rest of the season, obviously. Uh, and if Fontana and Najem and uh, Matty Rayal maybe get some minutes, I think you say they're doing what they told us what they were going to do, which is build an academy and bring some kids through the academy. But I think, and and maybe you agree with agree with me on this or maybe not, but I think everybody's kind of down on American soccer in general. You know, the fact that we didn't make the World Cup – uh, there's not much really going on with uh, domestic players. And people are just looking for something to be excited about, right? So the union get points just for doing what they're supposed to do and actually putting some kids on the field, you know? Yeah, and I think it's one of those things where Jim Kirk and Harry Stewart are very, very uh, pro-American players. They're, you know, they want to push guys through the system that are going to be national team fixtures. Uh, you've seen that with when Rosenberry came in rookie year. That was one thing they were really pushing for. Hey, this guy can be a potential, you know, contributor at the, at the national team level. And he got in by the finger. Tuskie's already a, a one international, so obviously there's something to that There are plenty of other guys for the system that are making, you know, youth teams on the national stage. So I think, yeah, it's something to be excited about. I think there was, there was second in the league on American players in the field. I believe what I saw on Twitter, I think the Sounders may have had six. Uh, but, I mean, I think the thing is something to, be, it's something to be proud about. I know you and fans haven't had a ton happy about or to talk about. We have two young guys come through just to make their own. Um, and that's because of the top hand. You know, we can shift the perspective on, on how, what his performance meant. But at the end of the day, I mean, kids had a great preseason. He earned the, the spot in the lineup. And, you know, all credit to him to, to work his tail off and, Get to this point, and I think that shows what you're going to get from him moving forward. Yeah, for sure. Um, CJ obviously missed a couple sitters, but he earns the red card. Um, he gets a goal. He gets an assist. It's a very CJ kind of game, is it not? I think it was um, interesting on the red card because, you know, I see Delamea kind of bumble into CJ, but, uh, you know, CJ is smart to read it. He slows up. He kind of hooks him with both of his arms around the back and uh, feels the contact and sells it. Um, not saying he took a dive or anything like that, but he did a good job of, of playing a veteran move there and uh, making the center back run into him and look clumsy doing it. Um, you know, and I think at the end of the day, it's I don't think anybody disputed that red card, did they? I'm sorry, what did you say about that last part? I missed it. No, I don't think anybody disputed the red card, right? Oh, yeah, because yeah, 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 the guy just – whether CJ initiated the contact or not, he got ran, ran over, you know? we've seen, and I think this is why CJ has gotten looks at the, the U.S. level, is because the little intricacies of this game, we've seen it in person that it's improved so much year by year since he's been here and since he was at Kansas City. I think you look at just the, the physical nature, the, the way he makes his runs, the way he reads defenders like he did on, on the play that led to the red card, I think it's something that is very valuable in the system because when the full strength 11 is out there, he's going to he's going to be more one-on-one uh, than we saw last year because they're going to commit numbers to Tom, they're going to commit numbers to Josh Collar, commit numbers to Fafa, whoever is on the other wing. So I think it's just a, a sign of things to come. I'm not saying you're going to draw a red card every game, but I think it's something that, you know, at the end of the day, he's going to end up, you know, maybe getting more chances or drawing more fouls than we saw last year just because he's going to be isolated 1v1 more. Did you um, did you guys get an explanation for? Did anybody ask Jim about the double sub where he put uh, Jay Simpson in there as as kind of a number ten, like a withdrawn striker? 
Uh, I wasn't. I wasn't in with the, with the spring press conference. I was in the locker room, and I guess uh, I asked CJ about it. He was, you know, very complimentary of it. He's like, "We're all hungry in the locker room. We respect him for being hungry and and pushing for the goal, um, bringing on two forwards." Uh, I don't. I think the positioning of Simpson was probably less than ideal, but the fact that the season opener you put Burke and Simpson out there to get minutes, I think it's only a positive for the players' confidence, but. I don't think it's something you you'll see on a regular basis. I think it was just kind of an out of need uh, scenario because in that situation when Pascal is healthy, you ideally bring Fontana in there or, or someone else. So I think it was part out of need, part out of him trying to, to test the water, see what he has. Uh, but overall, like I have no problem with him. I think it's a, it's a positive compared to the substitution policies he's kind of had of the past, where he'll just bring in. You know, the same three guys, same three positions, you know, each game. Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, I'm glad to see him on the field because, again, I'm not I'm not as down on Jay Simpson, I think, as other people are. I just think he got injured, and, uh, you know, he's never – he's not really a fit for the system anyway. So, I, But if you're going to put him in, at least put him in an area where, I don't know, he can be successful. I guess it was better than nothing seeing him out there and being able to get minutes for a lot of different people. Um, anybody else uh, in, in particular jump out at you? I mean, I calmed it, but I think we, we know what he possesses. I think it's just a, a, a new thing for Union fans because there hasn't been anybody as good as him on the wing. He's obviously an upgrade from Pontius. It's no disrespect to Pontius. He's just a different player, a faster player, a better player for the 4 2 3 one. Um, Nobody else really just popped out at me. I think it's just a regular week one type thing where, okay, everybody played their role. Um, there's no true superstar performance. Um, and if you're looking at it, like I said earlier, if you really want to nitpick, you're not going to really shouldn't have been the final score. It's got to be enough. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's a business-like win. They got the job done. Uh, an ideal situation for the season opener where you got a couple homegrowns in there. I mean, can't really ask for uh, for much more than that. Um, last one for you, man, before I let you do your uh, high school stuff. What um, Anything else from around the league kind of jump out at you? Any results uh, surprise you? Um, I think, you know, if we're going to make week one reactions, everybody's hopping out of Atlanta. But, yeah, Houston's a new quantity. I think that front three is something that is going to be a force to be reckoned with when they're hot. But I think it's also one of those things they're going to end up being a deficiency at some point. So I feel like they're going to be too streaky, uh, which will lead us to praise them one week, not praise them another week. I think Atlanta figures out the things. I think Martino is smart enough of a coach. Um, other than that, I think it's just week one. You have to put it in perspective again. It seems like Toronto and Seattle have bigger goals at this point. The Champions League, I don't blame them. Um, I'm interested to see what's coming in in two weeks, what they do next week. I think there's artists can be in the right situation uh, with Berhalter. Um, so we'll, I want to see how that kind of materializes in the next week. It's a, it's a thing that continues and how it's going to work against the unions back line. But other than that, I mean, it's typical week one. Um, it's MLS. You're going to see plenty of surprises anyway. So, you know, why not start week one? Agree with you on that. Yeah, people were pretending like they uh, – or people, I guess, forgot that Houston went to the conference finals last year and they were a pretty damn good team. Uh, they were only five points worse than – uh, Atlanta, even though they played in the weaker Western Conference, but you know people got short memories, or they just get caught up in uh, other stuff. Anyway, yeah, and there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with overreaction, but yeah, you, when you when you get to Monday or Tuesday, you, you have to realize, okay, well, this is why things happen. I have no 
album, you know, messing around on Twitter Saturday, Sunday, and just, you know, oh, this X player X is going to score 15 goals just off of one performance. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's why we love MLS, because anything can happen on any day, any given Saturday. Joe Tanzi from Pro Soccer USA, Union Soccer Pod, and SBI Soccer. He's got to go do some uh, high school stuff now, uh, burning the midnight oil as always. Uh, Joe, yeah, coming, coming to you, coming to you live from a, a back gym in Medford. You're at, yeah, you're in Medford, man. That's uh, that's a pretty long way from uh, wherever. You and DeGeorge have the uh, – the high school uh, lockdown uh, f- for all for coverage. You never, all. never know where you're going to be from one day to another. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, we appreciate uh, all your stuff from uh, Philadelphia Union all, all the way down to Medford. Uh, thanks for having on, man. All right. Appreciate it. All right, man. All right. Let's get to your questions, comments, and concerns. Richard Saunders says, "Will any of Epps, Najem, Jones, Yarrow, Marquez be sold?" Where does Ike fit the new scheme slash team? Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much value there is there. I mean, maybe you could swing uh, Yarrow to somebody as a reclamation project because uh, it looks like Marquez is kind of the third center back right now. He was on the bench the other night. Uh, Epps they like. Najem they like. Jones they like, obviously. Ike, I don't know where he fits. I really don't know where he fits. Um, you, know, you think on the wings you got Akam, Pico, Herbers was obviously the next man up as we saw uh, Abs is over there on one side. I guess Ayak would be like the fourth or fifth if you're if you're making the wingers one uh, big uh, clump for the depth chart there. Uh, Russ, joy on broad. What's your crossing broad slash Philly <laughs> Philly media starting eleven? Oh God, uh, I should have looked at that beforehand and wrote um, wrote something down here. Well, I guess I got to include uh, include all the crossing broad guys. So we'll put uh, Anthony, uh, our Flyers guy, in goal. Um, cause I trust him back there. We'll put, uh, Kyle Scott, uh, up top as a striker cause he's uh, very incisive and he knows how to, uh, he knows how to, uh, score points and do the things that matter in the Philadelphia media. We'll say that. And, uh, Russ, you can be on the left wing. Uh, I will be a, uh, I'll wear the captain's armband and I'll be in the, uh, I'll play center back. We'll have, uh, Dave Zeitlin bomb in the flank on the left. We'll put, uh, Joe Tanzi on the right. Uh, Matt George will be the uh, the defensive midfielder, kind of pulling the strings back there. Harris Madunian, he's got a great left foot. And then that sort of just leaves us with a number eight and a number 10, right? Uh, you know, I will give that to – who will I give that to? We'll give uh, – we'll get – we'll give it to Ricky Ricardo uh, from the 94 WIP. He can be the number 10, uh, a, uh, a, a Spanish-speaking – uh, very skilled uh, playmaker, number 10, the kinds you're looking for. And uh, number eight, kind of like a glue guy. Who's a glue guy uh, on the Union beat? We'll uh, we'll give that to Adam Kahn. We'll let Adam Kahn be the number eight there, kind of a guy who can hit that big diagonal and understands tactics, if you will. Uh, three more questions from Richard Saunders. What's Moa Du's status? I have no clue. And he says in parentheses, Kevin stops reading anyway. Uh, what's with all the tabs of dollar movement? Uh, how how much spare room does the union have? I really don't know. I don't think they have much left after doing the buy down and after the account thing. And is Corey Burke a starter? I don't think we even really mentioned Corey. Um, yeah, I mean, he. well, after that performance, I mean, he looks like he could be for sure. Um, very CJ-like when he plays on the wing, isn't he? You know, a guy who, when he gets ahead of steam, kind of hard to stop. Uh, but also a little bit of skill there with that turn that he that he put on uh, on Somi, I think the guy's name is, the new left back uh, for the Revs. Just turned him. Just turned him and played the ball into CJ, who kind of crashed at the perfect time. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see more of him. You know, I think when you got Pico and 
a calm healthy, they're going to be the starters for sure. But Corey, I mean, if you're asking me, I think Corey is more of a is comes in as a straight swap for CJ uh, more than Jay Simpson, you know, because Corey fits the um, fits the scheme and he's more of the type of striker that they're looking for anyway. Uh, Jim says after Fontana's performance, is Delaware the new <laughs> is Delaware the new hotspot for American soccer prospects? I don't know. I think he was the second player from Delaware to score a goal. Uh, in MLS. I thought I saw that tweet earlier today. I don't know who the other guy is, but I think that was a while ago. Could be wrong. Uh, is Delaware the new hotspot? That should be. I mean, there's plenty of talent in the Wilmington area. Um, Richard says, could Corey Burke be the most underrated signing this year? Uh, yeah, absolutely. But it's also important, too, because, I mean, it shows that steel works, you know. And uh, he's not a kid that they brought in through the academy, but... You know, somebody who was brought in as an outsider to play for Steele with the the idea that he would go through the same path as everybody else, you know. So it's not just to stash Academy uh, products there and get them minutes. It's also for people like Corey, who people got to remember was called up to the Jamaica national team last year when he was playing for USL. So obviously everybody knew, you know, what kind of talent was there. Um, I think he just got kind of stuck. Uh, you, know, you know, last year, obviously, you weren't going to, was not the time you're going to call him up because you had Simpson and, and Davies and you know some other guys kind of log jamming it there. But they made the right move in, in calling him up this year. Uh, Andy says it would only cost $10 million to get the union out of Chester. Uh, discuss. Oh, right. Okay, so this is – I didn't even get to read Matt's story today, but I I don't know. Is, does this come from his story, the $10 million? Okay, so basically somebody was saying that – I guess it was DeGeorge. Um, there's, there's news that came out that if the union wanted to get out of their lease – um, with the city of Chester, uh, with the stadium, it would cost them $10 million to do it. Uh, they're not going to do it. Of course not. I mean, they just spent millions of dollars building the ch- power training complex down there and the um, fields, uh, and they're dedicated to kind of building more in that area. So, no, they're not going to up and just well, – first of all, where's Jay Sugarman getting $10 million from? Uh, second of all, they just build all this stuff right there, so it's counterproductive to, and counterintuitive to everything they just did. And uh, – you know, I mean, it leaves that stadium down there. Then what? You know, really what's happening down there? I mean, look, as much as I'd love to have the stadium up here in Philly, uh, it's we're not even close to any kind of relocation. They have a lease that goes for a while. They can get out of it if they want. But, um, you know, with, with what they just built and what they just did down, down there, I just don't see that happening anytime soon. And I don't see who's paying for it anyway. Uh, Matthew says, how much longer will Blake play for the union? I'm shocked he hasn't made the jump to a big-time Euro club. Yeah, I'm shocked too. I mean, I want to see his uh, salary, what he's making this year, uh, before uh, you know I make another judgment on that. But I've said plenty of times in the past that he's good enough to play in Europe, and he should already be there probably. I mean, think about his first couple years here. You know, the first year, he didn't even play at all. He was stuck behind McMath, and then the Emboli thing happened. And then Andre got injured uh, at the beginning of his second year in 2015. He really didn't inherit the starting mantle until like after the U.S. Open Cup or like once they got into the U.S. Open Cup uh, games where he was – I think he got the starting job then around August, I want to say, September, something like that. I think that was the year, too, that he had like the 10 saves against New England or something like that. Uh, Matt says, why does Jay Simpson continue to see the field? Uh, Curtin belief or pressure to – is Curtin uh, – does Curtin have belief or is he pressured to prove the transfer salary wasn't wasted? Uh, I mean, I think there's a little bit of both there. But, again, like I was saying to Joe, I don't I – don't, if it's nice to get him minutes on the on the field at all, but it's almost counterproductive to 
to play him as a number 10. He just looked lost out there, turned the ball over twice, or uh, it's sort of like 50-50 battles that he wasn't even going to win, uh, where he like didn't check over his shoulder, you know, um, didn't know another guy was coming. He just he looked like he hasn't played that position before. So I don't, I really don't know. Uh, Joel says, what do we need to see? What do we need to see or in what permutations of players do we need to see getting minutes regularly to be content that youth is being served in Chester? Well, you need to see at least one or two of the guys be consistent starters or like play in every single game as a sub for the rest of the season. I mean, Austin Trusty, like I'm saying, he should be in the starting lineup every single time. Uh, Anthony Fontana obviously is not going to be. But then if you can get Derek Jones in there, Jones came off the bench. Uh, so they had three guys, uh, th- one, two, three, home homegrowns, yeah, who who came in and played in that game. And in addition, I mean, you had Bedoya and Sapong, who were United States eligible, and one other person, uh, Keegan, obviously, who was United States eligible too. Uh, so that's where the the number comes from. You know, some of those guys who are who are available to play for the United States national team who are out there. And I don't know how much stock you put into like saying Bedoya's out there because his time with the national team is pretty much done. But I think it's got to be like a crop of like two or three guys who are getting regular minutes here. Because look, if you if you take twenty two MLS teams, three of them are in Canada. So you say nine. If nineteen teams are each playing like one to three uh, homegrown youth American guys uh, and developing them and giving them meaningful minutes this year, you're looking at anywhere from nineteen to like thirty eight. Um, guys who are part of that player pool that you can then call on for the, kind of the next generation of U.S. soccer, and that's that's all you really need. I mean, if, if that's the if the, if the minimum goal here, what we're all kind of counting on is that you know we develop the next like generation of American talent to get us over the hump and get us back to the World Cup and maybe get us out of the group stages and and through a the knockout round, a couple more rounds. Uh, th- then that's kind of the goal, you know. Obviously, you'd like to see as many playing as possible, but I don't, I don't think you're winning many games if you have six homegrowns out there, you know. So I think what the union are doing is fine if they can get Trusty out there, Fontana out there, Derek Jones out there, um, and then maybe Matt Real eventually takes the the starting left back job from Fabinho. Then you're looking at like three and three or four, and that's ideal, you know. Three or four of those homegrown guys. Three DPs, max them out. You know, maybe a Tam level center back and some some veteran kind of guys like CJ and Bedoya, and that's a nice, well rounded roster. And that's what you're looking for. Uh, and Brian says, oh, he was just responding to Joel. He said, "Good question, sir." Uh, John says, "What? Where does Fontana see the most minutes once Doshkal comes back? And are there enough minutes for Fontana, Herbers, Epps, Fafa, Burke?" Yeah. So I mean. Two weeks from now, I don't understand why they have this friggin' break. They have to, they wait two weeks before playing the next game now. Um, so, I mean, Dashkal will be ready by then. So, obviously, you start him at the 10. Fafa is still suspended. So, who plays on the right? Do you play Herbers again on the right? I mean, you could play Fontana at the 10 again, and you could play Dashkal on the right. Uh, but he, that's not why he brought him. He, didn't, he can play on the right wing, but you didn't bring him here to do that. So, I think he goes back to the bench, and I think he comes in as a sub, you know? Um I just think it is it is what it is, you know. Like I said, I wasn't when I when I put that tweet out. I wasn't trying to be an asshole. I was just saying, look, the reality of it is that they went and signed a ten, okay. <laughs> so you know, this is not me trying to poo-poo the Fontana thing. I'm happy for the kid, but the reality is that El Cino probably would have been starting there if he wasn't hurt, and uh, Dashkal would have been starting there if he was ready. So you know, it is what it is. I didn't sign the guy. Um, and are there enough minutes for Fontana, Herbers, Epps, Fafa, Burke? Yeah, I mean, always, always. There's a lot of games. A lot of sub minutes, 
you know, they're going to play those Wednesday Sundays and those Wednesday Saturdays and stuff like that. Then you're going to get into the Open Cup. So you're looking at 30, you know, like probably at least 36 games, 37 games this year. That's that's enough. Uh, Rich Ellis says, is Jack Elliott really this good? Uh, I mean, he, he looked pretty sharp the other night. I mean, that long diagonal that he hit to set up Burke um, for the CJ goal was something else. I think he is. I mean, he doesn't. I'm sitting there waiting for the slump to come or waiting for the mistake to come, and it really doesn't happen. Um, Teppo's, Teppo's dad says, I hate red cards. I do too. Jeff says, who's the third center back, Marquez or Yarrow? Uh, it's Marquez right now. Uh, do either play much? Um, no, nah, I mean, now there's always like an injury there, like a underperformance or something like that. I mean, Onyewu played what, like eight games last year? Uh, Marquez played a chunk. Uh, and then it was was Elliott in there. So they always get there's always like four center backs who end up getting minutes every year. Uh, Don says new season, new starting number ten, soon to be another new starting number ten. Uh, why does this team not use the reverse triangle with Jones in the mix? Uh, or what if the union had the wings interchange positions with the ten throughout the game? I see more shot chances than those three. Well, I mean, I was beating the drum earlier in the week about putting Bedoya over there on the right. Uh because I mean, listen, I'll I'll lay out both scenarios for you and you tell me if I'm crazy or not. When Fafa was suspended, you can go CJ, Akam, your number 10, and Herber's on the right. Or you can go with with Bedoya and Medunyanin behind him. Or you can go CJ, Akam, your number 10, Bedoya on the right with Jones and Medunyanin behind him. So what would you rather have? Would you rather have Bedoya, Jones, and Medunyanin? Or would you rather have Medunyanin, Bedoya, and Herber's? You know, I mean, that's not a illegitimate question, is it? Uh, Michael Cardamone says the best, and I'm not down on Fabian. I like Fabian. He had a he ripped a ridiculous volley in that game the other day. He just hit it straight at the goalkeeper. I think Fabian's done some nice things. Scored like a goal of the year candidate last year. But I'm asking you straight up: Do you want Medunian, Jones, and Bedoya, or do you want Medunian, Bedoya, and Herbers? All right, Mike says uh, the best thing from Delaware not named Anthony Fontana. That would be. Dogfish Head Brewery and Dewey Beach. Uh, Dave says, what were your impressions in the F- Union's first win of the 2018 season? I think we answered that. Uh, Ryan says, how cold will it be during the parade in December? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> the parade. I just, you know, I just, we got to be consistent. If we're going to do the, <clears throat> the funny thing about the knee jerk kind of stuff, I feel like the podcast listeners and like the whole unit fan base has been beat down so much over the years that, uh, everybody's just happy to see a win, and they should be, you know. But I mean, look, the the fact of the matter is that it was a terrible red card. New England was dog shit. Uh, it was eleven v ten for like sixty five minutes of the game, and like I said, they got the job done. They did what they what they were supposed to do, and um, they executed and punished a team that made a stupid mistake. But I'm not going to sit here and and act like there's not a fat asterisk that goes on the game as well, you know. Uh, but you know, some people saying like, well, get ready for MLS Cup or whatever, you know. Um, Reese says, does Burke deserve the starting chance at right midfield? Yeah, a lot of Corey Burke questions, huh? Um, I mean, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know. There's a difference, you know, coming in off the bench and playing 11 versus 10 again and running at a tired defense versus him starting. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I would love to see him start. I, I don't know if, you know, Columbus is the right idea. I mean, again, I'll ask you this question. Would you rather have Burke or would you rather have Herbers over there? And they can do that with, with keeping Bedoya in his spot, you know. Uh, Benjamino says, uh, Burke and CJ in a two-striker shape chasing a goal. 
Will we see it in 2018? Uh, no, no, I don't think we will. I mean, Jim likes that, you know, the sub where he just brings in another guy and puts him on the wing. I mean, you're, you, you could have those two are interchangeable. I mean, if CJ plays 65 minutes as a strike as the number nine and you could bring Burke in and play him as a nine and move CJ to the wing and you could take off your right wing or like a Pico or something like that. That might be the way to do it. Or you just do what you did the other night. You leave CJ in there and you make Burke a straight swap for, for right forward. But they just don't really, he doesn't do, he doesn't make that change. He doesn't change the shape at all. <laughs> you know, he never has. Um, uh, Austin says, do you see, uh, did you see those fan made Wawa kit renderings? I sure did much rather, uh, wear a Wawa kit, uh, than a bimbo kit, if uh, if you're asking me, uh, Eric says, "Where do I find your podcast? Uh, anything Sixer related?" Oh, is this is this a Sixers follower? Hang on, let's see. Uh, yeah, I think it's a Sixers guy. Sorry, I don't mean to confuse people. I got some like uh, Sixers people asking what a dog so is. Uh, Union Observer says, "Do you still hate CJ too?" No, no, I never hated CJ. I just. Uh, you know, felt like a couple of years ago, last year, the year before, like I wasn't sure if he was, you know, Javinko or David Villa or Dom Dwyer or Bradley Wright Phillips or whatever, you know. Uh, David G says, was it me or did Bedoya spend a lot of time drifting in front of Keegan? Seemed like he was getting in Keegan's way. Well, Bedoya's been tilting to the right for th- in his entire union career. I mean, we talked to Jim about that a lot. You know, when you look at Go to MLSsoccer.com and go to the box score and scroll down to where you can do the charts there and look at um, Bedoya's heat map. and what, Well, look where his actions are, and you can look at his heat map on whoscored.com. And Ali always leans to the right. He's always on the right side of it. Part of it is because he's played as a winger for most of his career. So he's naturally going to drift over there as a right-footed guy who grew up playing that position for 10-plus years. You know, Also, Harris is left-footed, so he tends to open up and face the other way. So it's kind of natural in that regard. But that's part of the reason why I say put Bedoya over there. He wants to be over there anyway. He's leaning over there. Uh, and, and Keegan, you know, likes to get forward too. So it's kind of, it gets kind of clumpy with those two guys over there. But, um, you know, I'm interested to see how it works because Keegan had a really good understanding with El Sino, uh, over there at, at the right wing and the overlap and the exchange. So it's different with Herbert. It's going to be different with Pico, different with whoever plays on the right wing. So that's another thing to keep an eye out on. With with Pico suspended, whoever they put over there, it's going to affect how Keegan plays and how he overlaps and where he positions himself. Uh, Union Server says, why do you hate on the kids? Uh, I just tell it how it is. I know he's joking. Uh, Phil Soccer says, I need a show ranking the beers available at Talent Energy Stadium. We'll do that um, – down the pike here somewhere i gotta come down to a game as a fan sometime you know because i don't like now that i'm not really like sitting in the press box or anything anymore like i'd like to just go and enjoy it like everybody else does you know so we'll we'll write that down we'll put that on the back burner tepo's dad says how's it comms debut was good it was very good it's basically what we've seen from him throughout his entire career he's dangerous he'll run at you uh you know he's not the best shooter in the world he's got a little bit of fabian castillo in him um but he'll get better and better. I mean, it's freezing freaking cold, and it's the debut with your new team, you know. Uh, DJ says, why in the world did uh, Minnesota – Minnesota question, huh? Why did why did Minnesota not start Ramirez or Ibarra? I have no clue. Uh, I don't know what Heath is doing up there, uh, but I don't think he's that great of a coach. 
And on that note, I think that's all we got, unless I missed a couple more while I was uh, entering, uh, answering these. No, we didn't. That's it. Uh, episode number 42, uh, Joe Tanzi. Thanks uh, for, for jumping on, man. Hopefully everybody could hear that okay. He was down there in Medford, so I tried to rejigger what I had up here. And uh, hopefully the audio was listenable. And if not, then I hope you appreciated 20 minutes of me talking to you by myself. It's always soccer in Philadelphia. Thanks, everybody.